listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus is often shown praying in the Gospels, and in Luke it's something of a recurring theme. Prayer is something that Jesus clearly needs to do, the thing that allows him to do and to be all that his ministry calls of him, right through to his final prayers in Gethsemane and from the cross. Rabbi, we need to learn that, one of the disciples basically says, John taught his disciples, so do the same for us, please. As Luke tells it, Jesus answers by first offering this rather compact version of what we call the Lord's Prayer. Matthew's version, the longer one, is the one we're more familiar with, the the one we pray Sunday by Sunday in worship. Predictably, biblical scholars have offered various theories as to how and why these two versions came to be. They like puzzles, biblical scholars do. They like coming up with proposed solutions as to which version came first, or why Jesus might have offered two different versions, or if Matthew was actually adding to and enhancing Luke's shorter version in order to make clear his own understanding of Jesus' prayer and concerns. If you've ever taken a college or university course in biblical studies, you'll know that while all of this puzzling out of things can be rather interesting, even important, sometimes the puzzle becomes the thing rather than the meaning. Puzzles are fine to while away a rainy Sunday afternoon at the cottage, but it gets a bit boring after a while. You need some real meaning. It's important to remember that Luke writes both his gospel account and also the book of Acts to one person, to a Gentile named Theophilus. He writes to Theophilus so that, quote, he may know the truth concerning the things about which which you have been instructed. Sounds like Theophilus has become a Christian and that Luke is providing him with a sort of a narrative catechism of the real deal. So I wonder, did Luke simply take the Lord's Prayer as it had been taught to him? He, he wasn't an eyewitness to those events. He actually only appears using his first-person voice about halfway through Paul's missionary journeys in Acts. Before that, he's telling the stories he's received. So did he take a, a, a compact version that he'd received and he offered it to Theophilus as a kind of a this-is-prayer in its essence? Because in so many ways, this is essential teaching on what Jesus says about prayer, what he does in prayer. As David Loos comments, prayer according to this passage and Luke's larger portrait of Jesus is not primarily about getting things from God, but rather about the relationship we have with God. And so the prayer begins. Father, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. 
Jesus consistently relates to God in this very human language of parenthood and childhood. He wants us to speak with God with the sort of trust and familiarity with which a child speaks to his or her parent. But then right away he adds, holy is your name, hallowed be your name. So trust and intimacy, but awe and reverence too, holiness. Perhaps awe at the very idea that the holy God can and should be approached in the same way that a child runs to her parent. Your kingdom come, your reign, the fullness of what you promised for the heavens and the earth, may it come. But Jesus doesn't add the word soon. He doesn't add any timelines to it at all. He doesn't suggest that the disciples should be praying or pushing urgently for the fall of the Roman Empire, for the restoration of Israel, for the culmination of God's arrival, the full reign of God in the world. No. Just your kingdom come. Pray this. And then release your sense of urgency and simply trust your kingdom come. Give us today our daily bread. Now that's a really modest request. It's the only one that actually looks for something concrete, and it's not a Cadillac. Daily bread. As Robert Capon observes, Jesus tells them to pray for nothing more by way of human achievement than the food they need day by day. Again, it's about trust. Trust in the relationship we have with God day by day by day. Forgive us our sins as we for, for we forgive ourselves, everyone indebted to us. That's Luke's version. And forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. That's the more familiar one. That's what we'll say tonight. But here in Luke, it's forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. For, so we do that, he's saying. It's a mandate as to how we must and should already be living this out. You must, you should, you shall, you will be offering that kind of forgiveness. The language, though, is unapologetically that of of debt, the marketplace, money. It's a concrete example which says that forgiving someone is a decision, and you make that decision to cancel the debt. You drop the suit. You forget the claim. You even might rightly feel that you have to this person who is literally financially indebted to you. That's the kind of, like he's working here with a very concrete example. You don't have to much feel like it, in fact. After all, when you loan that person $1,000, they promised to pay it back as soon as they possibly could, and they haven't. So how is that right? And they're probably not going to. How is that right? But Jesus is saying that this is precisely what God is prepared to do for us. We make all kinds of grand promises and commitments, we vow once again never to do, to do this or to do that or never to make a royal mess again in missing the opportunity to do and be what God has created us to be. We fudge or we hedge or we fall short 
And we finally, when we finally face that reality in ourselves, we confess it all to God. We do it every Sunday. There's times when it's actually more particularly poignant. We speak it to God, who effectively says, right, that stuff. Well, I've actually forgiven that. I've forgiven it in and through Jesus. It doesn't even show in the copybook anymore. Remember, long ago I inspired Isaiah to say that I will remember your sin no more, and I don't. One question, though. Why can't you manage to do something of the same for those who've done something to you? Now, I know that's not always easy. Sometimes people have done things so dreadful to another person that that person will just never be able to forget. Remember no more? No way. I can never forget that. That's our reality because we, as humans, can't necessarily remember that sin no more. And maybe this side of the grave, we shouldn't necessarily try to forget. At least not if it means that we might put ourselves at risk of getting hurt again by that same person, or of not learning or growing or advancing with insight over what's happened. No, we might need not to forget, but that's different from forgive. To drop the suit, to cancel the debt, that's a very different thing because it actually frees us from carrying the burden, frees us from letting it grow in ourselves like cancer. Do not bring us to the time of trial. Maybe that, in that, Jesus has in view the kinds of persecutions and pressures that the early church was to very soon face. Pressure to recant their faith in Jesus or die. Maybe it's something more like, Lord, don't let us be tempted by things that will overwhelm us and prevent us from being what we were made to be. Either way, it strikes me as a prayer for strength to trust. Trust the God we've been told to approach just as a child approaches her parent. And that's it for this little short version. Things move forward into a a parable, a funny little parable about doggedly praying to God just like this annoying neighbor who keeps banging on his friend's door at midnight trying to get a few loaves of bread because he's run out and he needs to offer some hospitality. That in turn rolls into this teaching on asking, searching, knocking, and doing so trusting that these prayers will be answered. Yet, who among us can't tell a story, an experience of prayers that seem to have gone, if not unanswered, certainly into nothing? Someone's dying of cancer, maybe. Someone is locked in seemingly endless grief and just can't get out. Someone's depression simply won't lift. Maybe it's someone in your life who's been, who you've been praying for, Yet their life just keeps spiraling ever downward, no matter how often you pray to God that it would be different. Maybe it's your own son or daughter whose life is coming off the rails. Maybe it's your own life that's beginning to spring apart. Where's the answer when you pray and it seems a roaring silence? I've often heard it said that God always answers, 
Sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes no, and sometimes not yet. That might just be a little too neat, right? Still leaves that aching question of why the no? Lord, a simple straightforward yes would have lifted so much of this pain. Why no or why not now? But here's the thing. If David Loos is right in saying that in the Gospels prayer is not primarily about getting things from God, but rather about the relationship we have with God, and I think he is actually very right, by the way, maybe that begins to shift how we think about and pray this little bundle of teachings. Los continues, while at other places in Scripture we are told that God knows our need without being asked, here we are invited to make them known, to speak them into existence in the confidence that whatever may happen, this relationship to God can bear hearing these things and may actually depend upon hearing them. Our relationship with God may actually depend on our speaking our truth, our hard truth. Lord, teach us to pray, and he did, and so we do. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.